0: Ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, pleasure diva and body whisperer, Milica Yelenich.
1: Welcome to The Pleasure Zone, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. I think everybody in some way is seeking pleasure. Even the people who are looking for pleasure in ways that might involve pain, like BDSM. They're still seeking pleasure in their own way. And a lot of times in life, people just generally are not feeling the pleasure. So this last few weeks, I've been doing a lot of episodes that are, the last uh, two, and this one as well, three, um, have actually been about um, illness, uh, lack of motivation and uh, sexual desire, and really how to get ourselves motivated past those phases in our lives. Um, and today is about chronic illness, which some people would say is not a phase, but which I'm aware of is changeable. Um, I'll kind of bring some information to you from a medical standpoint, as well as my own perspective on what uh, what is possible with changing chronic illness. So that you can actually have a more, um, a life that is actually more enjoyable, right? So if you choose it and chronic illness is something that, um, whether you have it still as, as a diagnosis doesn't always mean you have to suffer with it. Um, I actually work with clients all the time. Um, uh, my, my other part of my practice is that I do a lot of work with something called radionics, which is a uh, using using different frequencies, basically sending information to the body to start to have it pick up new information so that it can change according to the information that's coming at it. Uh, And I've been working particularly with one client who has a condition called scleroderma. And my fascination with bodies and diseases goes pretty far. And it always has been there actually looking back in my life. I, have a grandfather. My grandfather died in July, but my grandfather was a doctor and when I was a kid, my fun thing to do when visiting grandma and grandpa was to get into grandpa's medical books and to check out the weirdest diseases to mankind. I loved his disease books. I loved looking at like elephantitis of the testicle. Because, you know, that's what every kid loves to do. And I would ask him weird questions like, hey, Grandpa, if somebody has uh, a baby, does it stink? And he would be like, yeah, it does. (laughs) So I asked him a lot of really frank and strange questions. He said, yeah, most of the time it does smell. And later finding out that probably a lot of those women had infections. I was always, always fascinated with bodies. Not just the pleasure side, but fascinated with what our bodies create. And our bodies create things like depression, like chronic illness, like lack of motivation. These are all topics that I've been touching on these last few weeks. These things that our bodies create that might not make us feel so very sexy, happy, or horny at times. And... Um, a few years ago, I think it's been a year or two at least, I actually had a friend of mine on the show. Her name's Christine. She is in a wheelchair and we talked about her life um as a paraplegic and her sex life and she's got a r re- she's got a really um alive sex drive. So she she is um it was a really great conversation to have with her talking about what we assume, what we assume for people is, you know, oh, you're in a wheelchair, that makes it mean that you're probably not a sexual being. Like, you might not say that out loud, but truly somewhere, there is a judgment that's going on that's pervasive in in society that we think that people who are either paraplegic, quadriplegic, Uh, whether they are amputees or something like that, we think, well, definitely, why would they feel horny, right? There is a judgment, and we know it. And um, what can we do to change these judgments of people with either um, disabilities, we'll call them, even though they're just, you know, uh, different ways of being in our bodies. And whether we have chronic illness or we have, uh, you know, a a sniffle, you know, How many people actually get down and out with the sniffles, you know? Here you're walking around, or you could even have allergies, and that's it. You're down. You're out. You're not feeling sexy. In fact, you're feeling pretty poopy. I can say that pretty much every single person I know, I'm going to say pretty much because I'm going to say that anything is possible, and there might be a person on the planet that's never had any illness whatsoever, whether it was... Uh, acute or chronic we're going to go with acute things uh, acute just means that it's usually short term temporary and something that's like um something like you know stubbing your toe that would be an acute symptom so when you look at things that occur with your body and everybody can relate to the acute side of things because it's so cute. Um When you look at your body and you look at your energy levels, your sex drive levels, your horniness, any of that, when you look at that, you know, even if you have a migraine, if you have um, a tummy ache, are you horny? No, not usually, right? But, gotta ask a few questions. Were you actually feeling pretty horny before that showed up? So I ask that because for me, I often um, will find that my body will present me with, I'll say present as if it's a present, it'll present me with a lovely awareness of like a migraine headache if I have a lot of pent-up sexual energy that I haven't expressed. And if I choose to, Whether it's through copulation or masturbation, my body will often relieve myself of these crazy migraines. Well, it's no doubt actually when you look at the energetics of bodies, if you look at it and you break it down to the chakra systems, um, we'll just look at it that from that perspective for a minute. The base. And the sacral chakras are very much the, like, opposition of the head. So when you can kind of work with opposites, your head to your base, um, you know, your third eye with, you know, visions and imaginations and fantasies and all that kind of stuff, you work with those two, they can counteract the other two, right? So if you work with the bottom two, you can usually counteract the top two. So it's just bringing the energy into different places. And... It's, and uh, you know, for for the most part, we often will assume I have a headache. I don't feel well. Forget about sex. I actually did an entire show on yes tonight, dear. I have a headache because truly there is um, some truth in that. Moving the energies can actually uh, alleviate your body from a lot of the stress an uncomfortable illness, and, you know, ease it up. So that's what we're looking for. How do we ease it up? So we know from acute um, situations, which every single one of us have been in, for sure, uh, except for maybe that one person that has never, but we'll go with every one of us. um, It's It would be a really sweet um, thing for us to actually consider what does our body require. And we know because... Instead of assuming I'm not horny, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, instead of going to conclusions about it, I really challenge you to go to the question and ask your body, Body, what is it that you are trying to show me? What is it that you would like me to be aware of? What is it you would like me to know that I'm obviously avoiding? (coughs) (coughs) Wow, well, my body knows something. It's coughing up a little here today. That's cool. Thanks, Body. You're so smart. So what does your body know? Whether you have acute symptoms or chronic symptoms, what does your body know? So, And I say that we're obviously avoiding it because if we weren't avoiding it, we would be aware of it and we would have already changed it, let's face it. So we're obviously avoiding it. And when you have an acute symptom, sometimes we'll go into, oh, this will last, uh, this is a flu bug. It's a 24 hour flu. We've decided it's the 24 hour flu bug because the flu has gone on vacation in your body and it's only allowed to stay 24 hours. So we've already set up a timeline. It will last this long. It could only last five minutes, but we've decided it's the 24 hour flu bug. That's how long it'll last. Or I have the, I have that same cold that everybody else had that lasted two weeks and they never got rid of it. Well, Thanks for going to conclusion. Holy cow, what a way to start killing yourself. Yes, I know. It's a little extreme, but it's true. So, stop going to conclusions about your body for one. Also, you know, medical you know, medical diagnosis can actually be sometimes detrimental. So, If you do go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you just have the 24-hour flu bug, how often do you actually give up your uh, your knowing? You give up your awareness. You give you up in favor of the doctor's diagnosis. Well, that's pretty cute, but truly you actually are the expert of your body. Uh, What I do with this show is I give you tools so that you can actually start to get how much of an expert you are with your body so that you can have some tools to have more pleasure with it. So... By all means, if it makes you happy to go to the doctor and get your diagnosis, go for it. Do you need to buy it as real and true? No, you don't. But if you are, then, you know, that's a whole other story. So why I mention that is that a lot of times with chronic diseases, something is showing up in your body repeatedly or for an extended period of time. Or you just happen to go for a blood test and then, boom, the diagnosis you have cancer comes up. Um pock and pod everywhere where any of you just decided to buy that is real and true. So, you know, you you might have received a diagnosis, something life threatening, cancer. Um, you know, maybe you even have tuberculosis, which is, you know, actually apparently going around again. Um you know, there's a lot of things that can be life threatening. There are a lot of things that are chronic illness that are like rheumatoid arthritis. You don't necessarily die from it, but man, it can really be debilitating. Um, and like the lady I was telling you about, um, with scleroderma, it's actually a really interesting, uh, disease unto itself. But a lot of these very interesting diseases, as I think they're very interesting, they are, um, they actually create symptoms in the body which have the body not respond sexually so it's not that you're trying it's not that even you're trying to avoid sex it's that your body is actually not responding so what do you think what do you think that what do you think that is you know a result of you know when you look at bodies and how they function the body has a desire to be alive number one that's imperative keep the air going into the body, keep that heart pumping, keep that body alive. You know, secondary to our bodies, strangely but sadly, is pleasure. And I'm wondering how and where we can change this shift on the planet that pleasure is number one and that actually sustains us. Um, And that having pleasure in our embodiment is is actually kind of like a vitamin. And we don't necessarily see it that way, do we? So... Chronic illness, just like an acute illness, our first thing is I gotta survive this, gotta get out of this, I gotta survive this. Well, your body now has a message that's just telling you, Survive, 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 whatever you do, survive. That doesn't always include copulation. That's more on the lines of thriving and perpetuating society. Um, your body, if it's got a chronic illness, is probably not looking to perpetuate society in any way. And it's probably not looking to have, um, you know, any kind of sexual contact in any way, because for a few reasons, your body might not actually respond. When your body doesn't respond, how much do you then go into judgment of you being a less than sexual human being? I'm telling you, I've never met a person yet who doesn't go into the judgment of them as being less than. I do know that some people have created that so that they don't actually have to have sex with their partners so sometimes I go into those deep, um, penetrating questions that kind of get awkward. Like, truth, did you create cancer so that you don't have to have sex with your partner? Ooh, <gasps> that's shocking. So <laughs> some kind of crazy, crazy questions I might ask you. And, and then when you truly look at it and you're willing to be vulnerable enough, you might start to get what it is your body's creating this for. And then guess what? When you have that awareness and acknowledgement, you can change it just like magic. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I know it. I know it's possible. So just a few things to consider when we're going to break. If you've never had a chronic illness, uh, you might know somebody who has. And then kind of check out their energy. And just for fun, just for fun, what if you could flow sexual energy to their body? Hmm, I wonder what that would create. Cool. So just as a curiosity, I'm aware of something. I wonder what you're aware of. So I just want to remind you, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices. And I am your host, Milica Yelinic, and we're going to head off to a commercial break
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. We've been talking today about sex and chronic illness. And some of you might be like poo-pooing this whole idea of this is not a sexy topic, but in so many ways it's a necessary topic. It's a topic that a lot of people avoid. And how many people in the world actually have chronic illness? And how many in the people in the world who have chronic illness actually have no, um, they, they've kind of lost their sexual identity or they've decided that because they have this chronic illness, they identify more with the illness and less with their sexy selves. Um, and to me, that's kind of like, that's actually more devastating than than the diagnosis, actually, truly. Um, it's when you stop being you in favor of a chronic illness uh, label. So a lot of people... When they discuss a chronic illness, they're like, uh, you know, my cancer, as if it's a child, as if they've birthed this thing. But interestingly enough, in some ways, they are actually taking ownership of it. Um, And at the same time, they deny ownership (laughs) of it. It's such a confusing mess. So if you're truly taking ownership of it, and it's your cancer and you birthed it, can you also abort it? Hell yeah, you can, brothers and sisters. So... I'm just mentioning that as a side note because I've noticed that people really can lose their identity a lot when it comes to chronic illness, and they truly do take on the um, the diagnosis in favor of who they are. It's almost like everything about them disappears, and everything about the disease is them. I'm all in favor of educating yourself, getting information, but I'm also all in favor of questioning everything. Question your diagnosis even. Question the creation of it being true in your body. Like, is it really true? I mention this because a few years ago, and I guess it's been three or four years now, four years now, yeah, um, I worked with a woman who had been given six, uh, six weeks to live. And she had apparently cancer riddled through her entire body. And she was kind of succumbed to the idea of dying. She had two children at the time, and she was just kind of surrendered like, oh, well, I'm going to die. The doctor said so. And a friend of mine introduced me to her. The woman was actually in resistance of me even like doing energy work on her or even in resistance of me doing some of the other stuff that I I do, uh, like the radionics. Um, She was willing to talk to me begrudgingly at first, and I just sat with her. And I asked her some pretty penetrating questions. I call them penetrating because we're getting to the core of it. But I also really love the word penetrating. (laughs) So the penetrating questions were something that really brought awareness to her. And this woman who had six weeks to live actually ended up having um, this awareness, which she followed and the awareness that she followed was that she really, in 20-something years of marriage, had never had a day to herself. And I had asked her, well, are you going to hospital overnight uh, to have one night to yourself? Um, That was one of the questions. It seemed so simple and so silly. And she said, yeah, that's actually what I'm doing. She was willing to get vulnerable. She was willing to go there. She was willing to see what was true for her, and she was willing to change it. That was the magic. I facilitated her, but she changed it. That's the truth of it. She created it, she changed it. And I saw her a few weeks after that thinking, "Holy god, I didn't actually have a clue or or an attachment to the outcome or anything like that with this person. Um just talking to her, letting her do whatever she likes to do with it." And a few weeks later when I saw her, um it, it was in an actually it was in a in a public setting and there were other people around. Um, And this woman's taller than me. I'm 5'11", but she's like six foot three. She's quite intimidating with her height. And she pointed at me and she said, you. And I was like, what? I felt a little intimidated, a little, you know, scared. I was kind of quaking in my boots like, oh, my God, this woman is, oh, my God, is she like dying? Is she going to kill me? Like, what's happening? And I was like, okay, stop, 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 breathe. What is she going to say? She said, You created a miracle. And I said, Wait, no. What are you talking about? And she told me that when she had gone to the doctors just after having this diagnosis, uh sorry, she had the diagnosis. She was going in for that night to be alone. They went to do tests on her before she before she was supposed to have like massive amounts of radiation, which they told her she probably wouldn't live from, but they could try it anyway. And um they said, We tested you again. Uh, to see if it had spread, and you don't have any cancer in your body, we don't even know what happened. We can't explain it. This is one of those times where we just say it must be a miracle, so <laughs> she was like, of course celebrating and super excited, and when she did see me with her, you yeah! uh <laughs> feeling like I was being blamed for something really intense. But I did uh, sit with her and have her acknowledge the magic that she is. Because when you know that you are the one who both created it and you are the one who can destroy it, that is more empowering than trying to say to me that I did it. I didn't do it. I facilitated it. Um, And she did it. She changed it. And her body was actually you know, and I asked her some things about relationship and sex and she was really quite down in the dumps about herself and her body and she's lovely. So it was, it was quite um, sad to me. Um, I was trying not to buy into my own sadness. So it was like, oh, your body, it doesn't feel happy and it doesn't feel pleasure. And it's it's like, oh, that's sad. Um, So after five and a half Split seconds of going into sympathy, I did get awareness that wow, she actually can change this, and maybe she'll create more pleasure in her life. And I was pretty excited about that. And she has four years later, six weeks to live. Guess what? She's still alive, super healthy. And whenever I have seen her, um, I guess I intimidate her a little now (laughs) because I get her to own. Uh, her her choices, which is really intimidating, empowering. Empowerment can be very intimidating and scary. So I mention this to you because why chronic illness is changeable. It is. Even diagnoses that have make you feel like you're about to leave this planet, if you choose to change that, my friends, it's changeable. If you require facilitation on it, I'm here for you. If I have private sessions all the time and we can look at different things, Um, It's one of my major capacities is to happen to work with people in the death and dying area. Um, I seem to get it a lot and I don't have a point of view if you choose to stay or go, but it's just to give you awareness of what you're creating, really, and whether you choose to then stay or go. So. One of the things with chronic illness is usually when people get the diagnosis, they first go into shock, like that lady did. <gasps> oh, my God, I have six weeks to live. They go into shock, and then they start going on this bit of a downward spiral. Um, you know, depression can set in, different emotional responses show up. Uh, you know, probably if if you are somebody who's employed, you might be worried about losing your job, or if you're self-employed, you're worried that you can't work and you can't sustain your business. Uh, You know, body functions change. There can often be pain as well, but a lot of times people are also really worried about treatments. Like if it is cancer, um, the treatment with with radiation can be really freakish, actually. Uh, You know, and even though John Hopkins knows that chemotherapy and radiation have no effect on cancer, look up some articles on that, my friends. They whole entire freaking planet is still using that as the number one treatment. really annoys me. They know it doesn't work, but they're still trying anyway. What really works is people's minds and people choosing to change it. And if if it it happens to go along with people believe that radiation and chemotherapy don't work, if they believe it's going to work for them and they use it and then it works for them, awesome. But if they believe it doesn't work, then it's not going to work. So but truly they know on a chemical level that all it's doing is actually killing your body. Um, So yes, they actually know that chemotherapy doesn't work. John Hopkins university has put out many different, um, uh, articles about that. I'm pretty sure it's John Hopkins. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but it is one of the major universities clinics uh, that study cancer in the U S know that chemotherapy actually doesn't work. Um, but they don't have a lot of options right now in the medical field. So consciousness hasn't quite hit into the hospitals. Consciousness hasn't quite hit into the training of physicians yet. Um, there are a few super conscious physicians in the world and they're working with people on a totally different way. If you can find them, you are blessed. <laughs> and, and what, basically what you're doing is you're killing your body. You're killing the cells in your body. Um, so, Unless, you know, you've killed a whole bunch of cells. Now, if you, and you're killing them to the root. So how on earth do you expect to create health out of something that just died and decayed in your body? It's just like counterintuitive. I could just do a whole show about how counterintuitive half of the medical stuff going on is. But this isn't a medical show. (laughs) But this one is sort of, so I get to kind of jab into the things that really... Get my goat and talk about it. So, so yes. So, um, when you have had radiation, um, different different uh, dosages of radiation. Did you know that actually, when you cross the border, like say for example from Canada to the US, and you've actually had radiation, they can you will actually show up on the radars. Uh, When you're going through customs, you will show up as radioactive material. You're actually considered like highly lethal. And at some levels, you're actually not supposed to be around people. I know two people uh, that this occurred to, actually. I know one that was actually crossing the border from Ontario to Detroit, and she was stopped because she had had uh, some radioactive material put into her body, uh, like barium, in order to do some scans of her body. This was years ago. And they pulled her over and wouldn't let her cross because she was considered radioactive material. Uh, I also know somebody else whose husband, um, they're no longer married, but whose husband had uh, some radiation done and they actually had to, he had to sleep in a separate room on the other side of the house from them, from uh, her and her son. Uh, She was not to have contact with him and his body for three months. And everything that he wore and wash. she had to use special, like almost like a hazmat suit to go near it. So he couldn't sit on the sofa with them. He couldn't actually be um, in, in the home with them, which is kind of interesting uh, in itself because he really actually didn't want to be in the relationship. And when you look at it from that perspective, how much did he create that as a way to actually create separation in that relationship? So, yeah, all those radioactive things. For one, your body can't actually even be near another person. How are you going to be having sex if your body can't even be with another person? So something to consider Um, when you're looking at chronic illness and different treatments. Because there's so many options out there. So before jumping the gun and believing everything your doctor says, please ask a million questions and do every bit of research you can possibly do. Because, and question your diagnosis. Is it true? It might not be. I really, really encourage you to always question the diagnosis. You can do a million tests and every single one of them can be slightly different depending on your awareness in that moment. Because you're freaking brilliant and can change anything. I know that. Okay, I'm on a rant and I feel like I'm going to be preaching it up. (sighs) I'm going to calm down for a minute. So I want to remind you guys, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. I'm your hostess with the mostess. Well, I'm one of your hostesses with the mostess, Melissa Jelinek. And we're just going to head off to a commercial break
0: to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the pleasure zone with Melisa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
3: What if there's nothing wrong with you? What if you're far greater than you've ever given yourself credit for? Being
1: Hello, beautiful wonders. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Sis Milica Jelenic, And today's topic, we're talking about sex and chronic illness. I know they don't sound very sexy together, but truthfully, um, I'd like to address where people are not feeling their most sexy or pleasurable in their life. And to look at some situations that maybe people have assumed will never change and they will never get their sexy selves back on track. Um, What I know is if you're still alive and breathing, my friend, you can get your sexiness back on track. It doesn't matter what you've been diagnosed with. You know, I had a a friend who um, she died about two years ago. Um, and she had a huge run of cancer in her body. She wasn't really interested in consciousness, and that's totally cool. She was actually really um, mad. She was really mad at her partner who had cheated on her, and um, she was really mad at him for she caught them in the act, and it was one of her best friends, and when she... um, when she found that out, it was like within weeks her body started to fall apart and get get like a i think it was like a leukemia kind of cancer um and her organs started to shut down, and she ended up with like colostomy bags and she was she lost like when I saw her um about a year before she died, she had lost about seventy pounds from the time that I remember. Um, her being at her like healthiest. So she was down to like 90 pounds maybe. Um, And a lot of what I was aware of that she did that for was, yeah, so one of the questions was, did she do that for sympathy? Um, There was a lot of that for sympathy. A lot of it was to rally people together so she wouldn't feel alone. She was feeling really alone. Uh, Some of it was, it was almost like a, a payback to the ex. It was like, Screw you, you asshole! You killed me. It was kind of like a blame thing too, like what you did to me. You killed me. Uh, so, uh, so Sherry Lynn, if you're listening in the energies, I'm just gonna bring some awareness to this, so you don't have to have this in the next life. Okay, cool. So yeah, I remember talking to her about it, and I asked her. Um, I asked her if she would like some facilitation. She's like, nope. I'm like, "All right, cool. So, part of it is giving people choice. So when you have chronic illness, people still have choice. You do not have to skew them. I offered her um offered her what I could offer her um and she was not interested in receiving it, and that's okay. She was creating it fully, fully, fully on her own um for various reasons. Um and you know whether she got the results she was looking for whether he felt guilty or not i don't think he did he was pretty happy in his life i think he created exactly having that affair to get out of his relationship so um you know she had a lot of things going on a lot of different unconscious choices that she was choosing that were contributing to the creation of this devastating breakdown of her body it was it was a fast Well, fast in that, I mean, she was maybe 48 when she died, and so she was diagnosed when she was maybe 46. Um, So to me, that's quite fast. I mean, not as fast as the woman who was given six weeks to live and then still alive fast possible death, fast possible change. Um, This was something that was like she was really choosing a disease that would have her suffer and suffer and suffer. I know I'm going to get backlash from people when I'm talking about choosing disease, and that's fine. You can backlash me. You can insult me. You can shit on my head if you want to. But truly, when it comes down to it, you know and I know that we create everything. If we create the great stuff in our life, we also create what we consider crap. We create all of it. And if you think you only create the good stuff, then who the heck creates the crap? And if you only create the crap, then who creates the good stuff? Are you only like a part-time player in your life, like sitting on the sidelines, waiting to be called in to play the next part of your game? Like that's just silly. You're you're not sitting on the bench waiting to just for your role to your time to play in the game of life. You are you are actually a player in your life full time, whether you know you're in the field and you're waiting for the ball to come at you, or the ball just hits you in the head. You're on that field and you're playing. So it's it's really funny to think that you only have like partial say. I only choose the good stuff. I only create it. Oh, yeah, I created that business and it's flourishing, but I definitely didn't create my cancer. Uh, like, it's just funny, pock and paw, that I have cancer. I don't. Uh, so, and whatever it is, uh, whatever it is that you are having show up in your life and your body, you are choosing it consciously or unconsciously, and how much more fun would it be to be conscious of it? So I wanted to bring up that friend of mine. So she had a colostomy bag, um, and she had all these other things, and she was really, like, her main thing was she really didn't like her body and her life at all. She went from having a flourishing massage business where she touched people all the time to having it where she really never wanted to touch people again, including having her own body be touched. Um, she kind of like completely withdrew from this human experience. Um, so sometimes those shocks, like, you know, seeing your husband making out with your best friend, those kinds of shock. although if my best friend made out with my husband, I'd probably high five them. So let's face it. I'm just saying that because one of my best friends coming to visit this weekend. So Whatever, if you're making out with my husband, I'll probably high five you guys. <laughs> so, I won't go into shock and create cancer. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> so, so it's kind of funny to me, but you know, uh, it's funny to me because I just wouldn't have the same reaction, but the, this friend of mine who did have that reaction that was really devastating to her, it was total shock and it completely completely messed up her her body. It just it was something that her body went into this shock trauma response and it just kept perpetuating and there was she was really not gonna get herself out of that. And then like I was saying, there was the other woman who pulled herself out of it with total awareness and total choice and is rocking the planet four years later, still having fun. We create everything. So if we can create everything, can we also create that you know you could still have the diagnosis. Your body could still have some devastating um you know effects that have occurred. Maybe you had breast cancer and your breasts were removed um that Does that make you less sexy, or did you hate your breasts to begin with so you just had to uh, annihilate them and change all that up because you really didn't want to be somebody's object of sexual desire, and your your breasts were like their their key to to uh, them liking you, and definitely if you got rid of them, then they would they would not like you anymore. So it's you're out. You know we are so freaking cute and create the weirdest things. So if after that point, you know you're like, well that worked. I got out of the thing that I didn't want to be in. Woohoo! And sometimes it's life. Um, but if you're still choosing life and you're out of the situation that didn't work for you, are you willing to change things up? Are you willing to actually get your body to um be no matter what feeling attractive you could be walking around with you know lumps sticking out of your body um as well but what are you creating them for? Are you creating them to gain more attention for people to have more sympathy, more empathy? What what are you creating your what are you creating your stuff for? What is that showing up for? Did you buy something that genetically got passed down to you? Definitely have an interesting point of view about genetic um treasures, we'll call them, like, wow, that was a gift. Thanks for passing me on that treasure bank of disease. woo So what if you didn't have to, Oh, you know, there's a treasure map in your body and you're going out and you're like, woo-hoo, ooh, I found the treasure box of disease because my family left that for me and they left me the map to find it and I found that treasure map and I found that disease. woo It's a joke. It's not a treasure. You don't have to keep it. I look at a lot of people who have been in my life, too, that have had chronic illness, especially with bowel disorders. Um, in when I was younger, I had probably what would have been considered like IBS, but people didn't talk about it a lot. I just had constant tummy aches, like constant, constant. But let's face it, I was really freaking aware. And a lot of my stomach aches had to do with me being aware of, uh, being aware, period, being aware of what was going on in my family. Uh, between my parents, uh, being aware of everybody lying to me, too. It was a bit of my lie detector, my stomach stuff. Um, And also being aware that uh, a lot of the stuff that I was uh, eating was not stuff that made my body happy. I was eating it sort of out of guilt and obligation about the starving children in Africa. And I really didn't want to make those starving children in Africa that I never met. I didn't want to have them suffer even more. Cripes, they were already suffering. So I might as well eat that food that I really hated um, so that I can suffer along with those starving children in Africa and we can be equals. So I created a lot of weird stuff in my body um, just so that I could suffer with those starving children in Africa, Uh, even though there were starving children literally next door to where I lived at the time. It was those children in Africa that got my heartstrings going. And... You know, looking at uh, all these things that I'd created as they weren't as chronic as you would call like a chronic disease, even though it probably was IBS. Um, It was more like diseases when um, or things, illnesses that would jump up every once in a while. Uh, When I started to get older, when I was around 12 or 13, and I really didn't feel like having my clothes off in front of the doctor, I magically started to get a lot healthier as I became more uh, aware of my body. Or, that my body was changing and becoming what then hitting puberty, I somehow decided that that made my body a sexual object. I was pretty much told that, and how many of us elsewhere, um, you know, that was when I stopped just having any desire to go see doctors, and magically, I haven't had to see one for years. Um, I think I went to visit one last year just out of fun, just to see, hey, I haven't been to a doctor in like 10 years since I had my daughter. And before that, I hadn't been in almost 15 or 20 years. So I haven't really felt the requirement to have my body observed or judged or anything like that. So I just haven't gone in. And if you guys go in, that's cool. That's your choice. That's just another way of doing things. Uh, So chronic illness, acute illness, whatever it is, you just might not be feeling that sexy, right? So what are some tools that can get us back on track? Some simple tools, some dynamic tools. We're going to actually talk about those. Um, so I just want to remind you, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll talk about those tools when we come back from this commercial break
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Are you a subject matter expert?
1: Welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, our topic is sex and chronic illness. And One of the things to consider is how do we start to bring ourselves back into some semblance of normalcy for our lives so that we can start to feel more human again and less about the disease and more about the humanity and the sensualness of embodiment. And one of the things um, that I totally encourage you to do if you are alone, like I was talking about the last friend of mine who was alone um, when she had chronic illness, I encourage you to find groups of people, and they don't have to be people that have the same disease as you, but guess what? Meetup.com is amazing, and you can find a lot of different things going on in the world that you might be interested in, where you don't have to sit and lament about your disease 24-7. If you need support groups for that, too, that's fantastic. Sometimes lamenting over and over again doesn't actually change anything. It just perpetuates it. So just think about that. What works for you and what would you like to do? Um, so finding some support groups are always a great idea. Having a social life is a great idea, too. There are actually some really great, um for example, in Toronto, Ontario, there's a cuddle group. So for people who don't have an intimate partner, you can actually go out to these cuddle groups um where you are just solely cuddling and you're not there is no sex allowed in those groups so there are people there to monitor that and make sure that everybody who's cuddling is doing it in a way that's going to be um like within the guidelines of you're cuddling you're not sexing each other up so there's just some simple ideas um also starting to enjoy your body again and if you haven't for a while then um really start to look at even one or two places of your body that you really like and start to receive them more. And if you don't really know how to do that, check out my show that I did a few years ago called Fun for One. It's one of my favorite show references. It was like guided enjoy your body kind of masturbation uh, sort of thing. And you can go on there and listen to that and enjoy that. Um, I am doing some exercises like that in my 21 days of sexual magicism call, which will be available even after the call series is over I'm on day five today. And if it's something you'd like to be part of, you can by all means contact me. You can email me through my website or you can just email me. You can find me on Facebook and message me that you'd like to be part of that and I can send you the information about how to register. So for those of you who have partners, one of the things I highly recommend is that you also Uh, Find somewhere to get some support as well because you might start to feel like the burden is on your shoulders and having some touch in your life too. If your partner is not able to gift you that, cuddle groups are great for you too. Sessions, having some energetic sessions is great too where you can actually have some touch, uh, some body work. And also for caregivers, too, one of the things you can do is actually go and learn something like that. You could either learn how to do some foot massage or some energy work and contribute that to your partner's body. It doesn't have to be about copulation, but definitely bringing the level of intimacy, uh, physical intimacy and touch back into the relationship can certainly help the partner, the one who has got the chronic illness, start to feel more loved, more, uh, you know, like you're, you're actually with them you've got their back that you acknowledge them that you love them that you know all these things that people when they have chronic illness start to feel like they're neither attractive nor lovable there's a lot of stuff that goes on and it can actually lead to depression so also being aware of that being aware of their mental state of um being where you you can uh intervene if necessary and uh do all kinds of things to assist them with that um I I haven't actually really looked at my what I would like to talk about next week but I may be continuing some of this theme with um health and sex in different areas so I'll probably explore some other ideas in that or something completely different we'll find out so definitely when you have had had been diagnosed with anything Uh, Definitely ask questions, ask a million questions, look for and research all your options, Whether and whether you choose to go with the um, allopathic route or whether you choose to go with the sort of alternative homeopathic kind of route, either way, as long as you've got that education under your belt and you have given yourself full information and full permission to choose, I got your back, no matter what. If you're even choosing chemo um, and you have done all of your research and you're like, this works for me, awesome. I got your back. So just know that neither, none of your choices are wrong. I just really encourage you to be um, informed, educated, and coming from a place where when you're choosing, you're choosing for you. And also with partners and partnerships that you allow your partner, if you have the chronic disease, allow your partner to love you Anyway, allow your partner to contribute to you in whatever way they can, whether that's gifting you smiles or presents or time or, um, you know, anything, anything that you would like in a relationship prior to having the chronic illness. And, hey, if you actually created the chronic illness to receive more kindness, how smart are you? And hopefully your partner gets that and starts to give that to you. And then guess what? You can change it, change it all. I want to thank you guys for listening today. You're amazing. And you can always find me on social media, different platforms on social media under my name or find me in my website, com. And just remember, I'm always doing something. If you want to join in on that sexual magicism call, private message me on one of those social media platforms, either Instagram or Facebook, and we can get you all rock and roll set up to go. Oh, it's such a fun call, and it's so different than the original. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Until next week.